Ready? Ooh, yeah. Ooh, baby. Ooh, Sally. <laughs> Break it down now. Welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. This is episode 27-7. That's a podcast world 27, episode 7 of our video game music podcast. Did I say that already? I probably did. We're your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell, and we are in a... This game has gotten really, really long. Really long. Once we hit level 30, I think there's a, there's like a... There might, there might be like a kill stage where like everything just dies. <laughs> no, no, no. What it is is the, the, the developers are getting really lazy, right? And so at level 30, what is this? A water stage? You make another water stage. <laughs> More water. More water world. Kids love that water. Uh, Give it to them. But we are a video game music podcast. We listen to great music from all consoles and all generations. Um, so we pick a topic and we pick some tunes around that topic. We listen to the music. We talk about the music. We talk about the games. We talk about everything else in between. Um, so, Pernell, today I downloaded about five games before I couldn't anymore on the PlayStation Network because <laughs> they had a oh, freebie. But you know they can- oh Oh, wait, wait. Rewind. Um, are you talking about because the store shut down? No, 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 had no, those- no. It's it was like a, a the summer of staying inside thing where they give away. I thought free that games. was only for PS5 people. Like that was that uh, like Horizon probably- Zero Dawn. Yeah, it's on and, there too. Uh, I downloaded that too. Yeah, I thought those games were only if you had a PS5. So that was for anybody. Apparently, interesting. I went on there and looked yeah. up. If you if you hit the thing, if you hit the link, all it shows you is Horizon, and I was like, oh, I'll download that and play it sometime, probably. I'm turning into Purnell. I'll play that sometime. Um, and then uh, I downloaded Res because I always want to play Res again. And I downloaded mm-hmm. Thumper because I knew you said Thumper was cool. And oh, yeah. um, uh, Absu because I like really atmospheric, slow games. So I'm like, That's the underwater game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like oh, underwater exploration. I think that's the people who did Journey. Oh, okay. That means you'll probably love it then. Yeah, yeah. Short and um, moody. That's all I want. Hopefully, I mean, it's underwater, though, so hopefully I don't get sick playing it. I'm, I can't even play The Witness, so. And it's funny, too, because, like, you made the mention of, like, you know, I'm coming, like, Pernell's I'm going to grab this game and never play it. And that I've actually gone a lot more minimal in the last month and a half. Like, this has been such a weird time for me. Like, I. Yeah, you were talking I, this weekend. Like, a friend of mine messaged me today, like, in my general text. I might have to make myself go back on social media somehow, but, like, it's been about two weeks since I've actually used social media mm. and uh, like one friend flat was like, I just realized I haven't seen you say anything in two weeks. Is everything okay? And I'm like, I just disappeared. I wanted to disappear. So I did, but so I haven't been doing that. Um, but the minimal part aside from that is that I started really getting obsessed with managing and watching my spending and my money. Yeah. So what has resulted in is I've spent less this month than I've spent in years over the course of a month. I think I spent on myself this month, and it's we're almost done the month. I've spent maybe three hundred dollars, two fifty, and that includes groceries. <laughs> that includes groceries. I've spent about two fifty, three hundred dollars. That includes groceries and transportation gas. So it's been weird. And like the trade-off though is that since I've been doing that, I don't have my fun coping mechanism of man, it's been a rough day. I'm gonna go buy a video game or a mm. board game. Now it's like better go walk. <laughs> <laughs> uh and then there's other elements to that too. Like I have a PS5. Like right before I started doing all this, I did get a PS5. It's just sitting downstairs in its box against in the corner. I mean, like, like I all that time you're not on social media, you could be playing games in a backlog or something new. 
But like, well, I mean, well, yeah. Remember, I still do reviews. Oh, so, you're, so you are still playing games, but yeah, I still play games. Like, because the thing about it's a job, like, so you hate it. No, it's <laughs> well, it's weird. It's like it does carry that some of that stigma of a job, but I don't hate it because I do like just like how I am on this show. I like talking about games, mm -hmm. and I like hanging out with people I like and talking with them on shows. So it gives me that, and. Since it is a task that requires a deadline, I'm more interested in trying to do more. And then this, I, today I apparently got hit with a review that shocked the crap on me because it's going to be hard to do. It's uh, the entire Atelier trilogy for the Switch. So it's three RPGs. Oh no. That retails for 90 bucks on the eShop. And Tecmo Corey was like, hey, you guys want to do this? And then Joe was like, you want to do this? And I'm like, God, so how much know time? How? How, how many? How, so, so you only have a week to get into it? Well, well, what we're gonna do is um, it's gonna be over the course of May because it's three uh, full RPGs, and I'm not playing through all any of them. So it's gonna be like one or one and a half to two weeks per game, where I'm just gonna mess with it and get some ideas. Like this is how the game plays. You know, this is how I feel about the characterization and and, and kind of give like a hot take on them. And then at the end, say, you know, what I think my favorite of them is from the time I've put in. Oh, that's cool. You know, because there's no way I could do them all for no, that. And that's no. the thing I feel like when it comes to a lot of these game reviews in general. Like, uh, you look at, like, Kotaku reviews, and you look at, uh, you know, places where reviews are their jobs, which I genuinely don't even think they're probably truly their jobs. Like, you look at a guy on Kotaku, I don't think that's their job. I think... Oh, you know, Some yeah, of them yeah, are yeah. kind of like how we are. Yeah, no, I know. I like, think they're freelancers. I think most 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 people writing on the internet are just freelancers because that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and yeah. what that means is either they have an absurd amount of free time, or they're pretty much doing like I do. They're getting the impressions to be able to say, "I didn't do as much of the game as, like, say, a completist would." But a completist also has a hundred hours to just dump into a game over the course of like a month or three. Well, like the I game mean, was meant to be. A played. lot of people who are writing about them, like they don't write about them right away, or they got a really early release of it, and so they can play a great deal of it. But that's the problem. Like, oh yeah, the early release is more likely the, the result because if you get it on release, yeah. a lot of times the idea is you want to get a review out right around the game release time because that's when the iron that's when the iron is most hot game developers they, they still have that mentality that the majority of their sales are going to come within the first two weeks to a month of the game's release so people are going to be like hitting that review page on release day yeah because the other part of that is that and i feel like this hits me hard too and i'm trying to get better at it but freaking hard is most of the appeal these days is in the checking for reviews, the reading of the news, and the actual changing of money for product, that experience, but not the actual game itself. Mm. Like, I, I, it's hard to convey, but there might be other aspects of life so, where people get that feeling too, I bet. It's less about but the like, game the developers like, and more about the game advertisers. Not, not even the developers or advertisers. It's, it's the entire appeal. Mm. It's like the difference between, like, I have this... When we were kids, right? The idea of being a kid was like, your mom came home and said, Hey, Robbie, I got this cool game. You're like, yay, Mario! Yeah, you pronounced it as Mario. I did. And then you no, put the game in, and you played through it. You probably beat it, like, five, six times. This is the best game ever. Thanks, Mom. But as an adult, now you got money to buy your own stuff. But you're also living this enriched, full life where you're socializing, you're working, you're living, doing, uh, res fulfilling responsibilities. So now what you're doing is 
you're talking to friends online or strangers online about, you know, re press releases. This game's coming out soon. Oh, I love that franchise. I hope they do it justice. I can't wait to hear the OST. Blah, blah, blah. And then when the release the reviews come out, you know, oh man, they gave it a seven. It should have totally been an eight for some dumb reason. You know what I mean? Ramble about that. And then, you know, if a scandal comes out or glitches get released, they got to argue about that. But you almost rarely dive into the game and really get your hands into it. What ends up actually happening is you go through all the discussions of the of the renouncements, the details of the game, the release itself. You buy it, you get it home, and you might dabble with it a bit. You might put it on your table, but then you immediately are moving on to the next big announcement. What's coming out next? What's going on? I can't wait to get my hands on that thing. And what ends up happening is that's where all of our big backlogs are coming from. We're chasing the next high, but we're not getting high on our own supply. We're just, <laughs> we're just putting it in the corner, waiting for someone else to do it. I don't think um, I've ever heard it that way before, but it sounds right. It it's sounds so true. Right. Yeah, yeah. And since I stopped buying, like, since I stopped buying more games, it's been hitting me more because what will happen is now I want to play something. Now, keep in mind, I am in a different situation because I still get review codes, but. If I'm not buying my own stuff, you're not it's got to be a review. I'm not getting that hit because the hit is the transaction, not the here's your free game. It's literally the I'm buying this game. I did the work to get it. This right? is when Purnell turns to a life of crime to chase that high. There's more than one, <laughs> there's more than one way to get high, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Are you snorting PlayStation 5 codes? Yes. Um, but so... You know, so what ends up happening is now I'm looking at my actual library of games, the games I already bought, which for the record, I am now down to my last 250 gigs on my Nintendo Switch, which is normal for every other human on the planet. <laughs> but I have a one terabyte card. So that is weird. Yeah. And that now I might have to start looking at deleting games on a one terabyte yeah, card. Delete the That's games that you haven't played that you downloaded over a year ago. Good luck with that. It's more like it's got to be like a more intensive dive. Like what games just outright will never get played. Like they're they're only there as like an icon, not because I actually would love to play it again. Mm. There are a number of those. I get a lot of review games that are like nice, but when you're comparing them to thousands of other games, it's not so much anymore. Yeah. Um, but so that's where I'm at now with my games. Like I don't buy much anymore, but I like discussing them still, and I do occasionally go back to some older guys like. Some of the games on today's episode, even like I'm yeah. like I want to go back and play that. And uh, Bedroth commented on last week's episode of our show, the Tavern episode, yeah, and was talking about how he also was a big fan of Dragon Quest Nine, and it got me wanting to boot up my old file to see where I left off. Like how many hours did I actually put in this game? And I should go back and beat Dragon Quest Eleven. I never finished it, and now I'm just like running through all these loops of games I want to play. But I left the banding because I was chasing that elephant, you know? So now it's like, what do I do? It's, it's such a weird, weird <laughs> the feeling. The big elephant. Well, now that we're both gotten our Fauci ouchies out of the way, it might be Poor safe for us to back. like... Yeah, then I mean, we can probably hang out again. We should be playing... To be, I wanna, I, there's a bunch of classics that I never got into on the NES and on the Super Nintendo, specifically RPGs that maybe we could play together. And that would like, be cool. You can like, you or can even like hold treat my them like hand. a book club. You treat yeah. them like a book club. Like when it comes to RPGs, I think, and I tried that before, but it's hard to get people to go along with you. Is you both play an RPG at your own pace or wherever. So in the case of the two of us, it might be better if it plays. If you play a game that I've already played before, you have it. That way, I can play at my own pace to get refreshed. And as you play it, 
You'll come oh, at me man. like, oh man, here's this thing that happened. I'm like, well, clearly I haven't had as much time, so I haven't played as far up. But so are you I've saying that the... you're 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 busier than I am? You're, you're no no you're no more game wise. Than I am? No, okay. no game wise. I'm you got more to play. <laughs> I know you got more to play. But uh, I think I think that'd be really fun to do because you mentioned that like you all you were watching our old Twitch stream or YouTube stream where we were playing like track and field. <laughs> like that was fun. And it is like like I think gaming with friends is fun like so i reviewed a game recently called a uh, first class i can't remember the damn name of it it's like first class panic or something the idea is like it's, think of like werewolf like ultimate werewolf you're on a ship i love how like this is like the longest like intro ever but well, i don't yeah, care wait, it's fun. real quick and then we'll wrap it up so like this game is called like first it's called like first class trouble you're on a space airliner uh, it gets a breach in the hull and oxygen seeping out. So now all the passengers are trying to find a way to repair the oxygen system and repair the hull. But there are also robots disguised as people on the ship that are trying to kill all the humans off. So the robots are trying to de deplete the oxygen mm -hmm. and get you know humans voted off the ship and ultimately get them also murdered because you can actually kill each other on the ship proper. And the humans are trying to find their way to the control room to do the work. Mm-hmm. Now, this game requires you to have voice chat, and it requires you to play online with strangers. Something I generally try to avoid, like the bloody plague, <laughs> because yeah, yeah. strangers, oof. Like, I mean, the first game I got into, there was already like random race chat, and also some guys like, who wants, who wants to, pro who wants to pro commit an insurrection tomorrow? Who wants to go on an insurrection tomorrow? Referring to like, you know, the George Floyd trial. Uh -huh. And I'm like, can I just play a game? <laughs> I don't want to talk about this stuff right now. But like, the entire scenario of that first match was just like, I don't want to talk to any of these people. I want to get off of this game. The second game was a little bit better, thankfully. But yeah. again, it's, it's going to be an, uh, it's going to be like an Among Us situation where like you got to have like a crew that you play exactly. With. Yeah, and then like maybe they they maybe like those circles might extend to secondary and tertiary circles. And um, that's exactly how I reviewed it too. I was like, I think this game would be great if yeah. I had a committed group of friends that would play it with me, but. I'm not the type that's going to go that's, online with strangers and play. And that's what's happening when these games are designed after great designs of board games, you know, because board games are designed to be around friends or people that you're going to be friendly with. So mm -hmm. you take a, you, you, you take away that element and you put in a whole bunch of an, uh, anonymity into these games. And it's like, oh, right. I can be whoever I want to be online. And of course, that's just, you know, racist and angry. <laughs> you know? Exactly. How does that turn into racist and angry every time? Um, but okay, so know. let's talk about games with characters from other games happening in those games. And of course, it's called a crossover, Purnell. Now, yes. Mer Merriam-Webster's Merriam Dictionary describes a crossover <laughs> as two things um, um, going across each other. <laughs> oh, well, man, I'm sure they stayed up all night deliberating over that top or that definition, but they pulled it off. Oh, mercy. But like, the funny part is like, you proposed the topic, you called mm -hmm. it, you referred to specifically as like character crossovers, right? But that was how you just, just stated it. Yeah, I was like, character crossovers, and you were like, right, like, um, characters in other games. And I said, yeah, absolutely. And then, and then I yesterday, went somewhere way different with I it. was like, yeah, it's like this game and this game. And you're like, okay, sure. That's a funny thing. You're probably just like, yeah, that's a funny thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, like, because it was a cool tidbit. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And I'm not going to say it out loud because I'm pretty sure, right. like, this one is one of the ones you picked from for the episode. Probably. But, but um, so for my, all of my picks, it is um, uh, characters from other franchises making appearances 
in other games. And, and in my case, it is characters that I would like to see appear <laughs> in other franchises, which for the record, we chose these tracks over the course of like two days, maybe one day. I want to revisit this when we got more time. It's been a really busy week for both of us. Revisit and it, but revisit it how? Maybe in the same capacity, just with more lead, because I think if I did what I'm doing today again, I could do it more from a game mechanics perspective and get really stupid. Okay. But that's going to require me to ask to be like, get my hands in the putty, you know, like really mixing around. Like, you know, here's okay. how, here's how buy the commando please. But what if you could do this with this character? Yeah, here's mine. Here's mine. Um, Scrooge McDuck with, with his, like his little bouncy cane in a Mega Man game. That'd be fun. See, that could be interesting because like now half the enemy robots are just getting pogo stumped. Yeah. <laughs> Like those skulls on the Skull Man stage, you just have to charge up your Mega Buster to kill them. Nah, Scrooge will just pogo them to death. Pogo. All right, so uh, you're you're kicking us off. Okay, with... so I'll start us off with probably the most obvious one I could ever pick for such a topic. Mm -hmm. And I'll say the track first, and then when we come back, I'll say what I'm looking at when yeah. I think about it. Yeah, I'm going to so, do the same thing, so you can, you can try to guess what's happening. But yours are all fake, and mine are all real. Oh, it's never exactly. real with you, Pernell. Never real with you. Never real. I'm just the guy who's trying to cater to the audience. <laughs> okay. So this first track is from Mario 3D World, and it's called Fuzzy Flood Mine, and it's composed by the Mario 3D World Big Band. There's a lot of people on that, but I don't know who they are. Welcome back. You're listening to Fuzzy Flood Molly from the game Super Mario 3D World. Mario. Um, composed by the Mario 3D World Big Band. And this track is one I've always adored. I was torn between this and like Chain Link Chomp Fence or whatever, which is another great track in the game. Yeah, the whole OST is good. The whole OST <laughs> is fantastic. Um, this is awesome. That organ, that little organ, like little, little lick there. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, here it comes. Here, one more, one more. Ah, oh, that's so cool. They did a great job on it. It's like it's really cool. And and I feel like it was a good choice for this episode scenario because the character that I have in mind is one of the obvious crossovers. I'd like to see Sonic the Hedgehog and Super Mario 3D World. Mm. But to be more specific, I would like to see Sonic get the Shigeru Miyamoto treatment with Mario style power ups. So, like Tanuki Sonic, or Cat Sonic, or oh, Mega yeah. Sonic. Uh, but but okay. in addition to that, you look at like mo the most recent Sonic games compared to the most recent Mario games. Mm -hmm. 
like you have what Sonic Forces? No, thank you. Um, <laughs> but imagine, like you think about like back in the day, we had like Sonic Extreme, which never came out, but people dreamed about what it could have been. Um, we had Sonic Adventures one and two. Mm-hmm. Now imagine taking Sonic as he is, the super modern speedy Sonic, slapping him into Mario 3D World, or even better, what they're looking at and progressing towards with Bowser's Fury, which was the pack-in for uh, the 3D, the, the Switch version of the game, which is more of an open-world exploration Mario game. Hmm. And I could imagine it being so freaking fun. Like, again, Sonic with a cat suit, running at his normal speed, but then, like, just dashing up a wall, not in normal Sonic fashion, but clawing up the wall, you know? like Do you just- think it's weird, though? I mean, he, like, Sonic is already an animal. Mm-hmm. So and, and but Mario is a human. So uh, Mario Human Sonic that would be the suit. <laughs> <laughs> human Sonic. He gets the Human Sonic outfit. What's this power up do? It lets him get a job. So um so so Mario gets a leaf and turns into a raccoon. What does and then Sonic gets like I don't know like uh, a job and turns into a human. <laughs> he gets Human Sonic. That's and 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 the power up item is a tie. The power tie. Yeah, he gets a tie. He gets a tie. Paul, wait, wait, no, no, no. Plumbers don't wear ties. Oh, <laughs> got it. Gotcha. I got it. I remember that one. I think that's good. I mean, you're right. It might be like an obvious thing, but like when you think about it, it could be a really fun like combination, you know? And the thing that bugs me the most about it is that they've been teasing a sort of union of that sort for years now because of the whole Sonic and Mario at the Olympic Games franchise that picked up. Yeah. And they kept running with it because of how popular it was. I'm like, come on, give me a platformer or give me a traditional game with the characters intertwined in some way. It would be amazing. And the fans would clamor for it. You'd be like a 60-year-old man who's like, oh, man, I've been waiting for this my entire well, life. Well, when it comes out, you will be 60. <laughs> Most likely. And I'll be there, too, with my for PlayStation 7 and my Nintendo Blitch. Mm. Well, by then, the after the console wars, the only so many of us will survive. And it's true. Yeah. That's what it would be called. It'd be called the Nintendo Patty Cake, because, of course, it would. The Nintendo Patty Cake. That will be the new system in that era, and we be playing it. That's the it new, would be great. It's the new, uh, the new game control scheme is just patty cake, and, and of tr- course, in, tr- in current, just like in current fashion for gaming, it'll be the most powerful console ever. But we'll be playing games that look like they could have been on a Super Nintendo, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and we would enjoy it. Um, you better believe it, because <laughs> that's how it's been. Like a lot of the games I've been most excited to get that have been releasing are games that look like they could have been on a Super Nintendo. Oh. Like it's that's just how it goes. Like Smelter fantastic game so far it looks like it could have been on a super nintendo <laughs> meanwhile i'm reading about games on the ps5 like godfall or whatever i'm like i don't really care about that i don't care about any of these games i'm not excited or interested in any of them so my super powerful hard to get console is doing nothing <laughs> meanwhile old super nintendo looking games are fantastic well, and gonna, i want more of them you're gonna get it you're gonna get like oh finally it's time to get playstation 5 now i'm gonna hack it so i can run an emulator on it and play kirby <laughs> Pretty know. much. Kirby's Dreamland. Who doesn't want to go yeah. there? All right, so we're going to go back. We're going way back to the Sony PlayStation, okay? We featured this game on our winter sports episode. This is Tricky Sliders or Trick End Snowboarder for the Sony PlayStation. The composers are Akira Kaida and Masami Ueda. And this Ooh. track is called You Got a Muffin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad because I love muffins. Um, I, I couldn't find... There's some lyrics in this. I couldn't find who the lyricist is or, or if, if there is one or I, I have no idea. But it's it's a funky track. 
Um, all the tracks in this game have weird names, but this is You Got a Muffin from Trickin' Snowboarder or uh, Tricky Sliders in the in Europe. Listening to You Got a Muffin from <laughs> Tricky Sliders or Trick and Snowboarding. Um, the actually the composer or arranger on this one is Akiri Akari Kaida. Uh, this is a Capcom game. This is a Capcom snowboarding game with a very eclectic soundtrack. I, wa- I wonder if that's um, Cypress Hill. That might be Cypress Hill. All I hear is crazed ragamuffin. Yeah. Crazed ragamuffin, something, something, puffin, and then, you know, some drug related stuff going on. So I think I think it's Cypress Hill mixed in with some other stuff. It's also not really matched up to the beat, so I think it's like a sampled, like an old sampled uh, uh, situation. But okay, so this is a Capcom game, right? This is a Capcom snowboarding game that came out around the same time as Resident Evil Two. Okay, so you can unlock playable in in the snowboarding game uh, Leon Redfield. Oh, Claire, whatever. Oh, Claire Redfield. They got married, right? Or their brother, sister? <laughs> no, Leon Kennedy and Claire Redfield. Leon are Kennedy. Not really. Yeah, yeah. And then you can also play as a zombie. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Which is kind of cool, right? Like, and at the beginning of the that would have made me really they, happy back then. They hop out of helicopters from Raccoon City and they and they, and they snowboard, but it's just the, the character model snowboarding. It's kind of cool. So it's the arisen. They're not like super deformed or anything. It's the actual models. Yeah, it's from the, the, the it's game. the actual the actual models from the game. Although it looks like it, so they just reused them into this the snowboarding game. That's pretty awesome. I would I have been very excited about that. Yeah, I like that a lot. I remember now another crossover. You know, and I promised Purnell. I don't know if I mentioned this at the beginning of the game that I wouldn't do any crossovers from fighting games because that that because that's cause, cheating. That's cheating, right? They all crossover all the time. But um, so I was saying. Oh, the cat is all over this room. So I was saying, um, um, one of the big crossovers was that that like was in a magazine or was in a Game Pro was that Akuma was going to be playable in Resident Evil Two if you beat it in a certain way as Tofu Man. Yes, yeah, see, right there. Like, I'm glad you said that because 
when the topic was a when you mentioned the topic thing my first thought and why i went the direction i did was because the first thought i had was that along with simon belmont and ninja turtles which was another like egm prank that was played yeah, back in the day way back i'm not even sure if it was even if, if even if it was even an april fool's thing it was just something they did so to play as tofu man which was just a giant <laughs> white block which is just one huge hitbox in that game you had to mm-hmm. play through the entire game with just the knife and then tofu man is even slower and only can carry a knife right no, I thought I thought Tofu was beating the game in like two hours or some garbage. That could have been the rocket launcher too. No, that might There's so many things. There was Hunk, the rocket launcher, Tofu. Resident Evil Two had a lot of awesome unlocks actually. And then, and then the the thing was, oh, if you beat it as Tofu, you can get that. And I was working at Funscape, the the arcade at a time at the time, and like a bunch of guys were like, yeah, man. So I finally unlocked Tofu, and so I'm gonna be playing this all weekend. I'm gonna, I'm gonna unlock Akuma because in the in the there was like a 3D like Akuma like pasted into a screenshot of President yeah, he Evil. Was doing, I think he was doing a Hadouken. Yeah, so we were all like, oh, that would be crazy. Wouldn't that be interesting? And and I think eventually, um, an old friend of mine, Ray, he, um, the dragon, as me and Christy call him, as he called himself the dragon for a while. He was like, I don't know why. Uh, but he, he, uh, he did it. He actually beat Resident Evil 2 with Tofu, and nothing happened, and he was very and- disappointed. And that was the thing that made those practical jokes so interesting. It was the fact that it worked. They were difficult <laughs> enough that yeah. very few people would pull it off. Yeah. But also doable, which will make people want to keep trying to do it. <laughs> like it just, just doable character. enough, right? Exactly. It's like, man, I, I was going to give up on this whole tofu thing, but now if I can unlock a kuma, I'm going to keep trying. <laughs> Why the heck not? It's a smart prankster. It's a uh, smart prank, I think. And the thing about it in the end is, like, when you don't get the reward, as long as they didn't make it, like, completely impossible to know it as a joke, because that's the mm-hmm. best part of it. It has to be p- possible to know that it was a joke. Oh, But okay. if, as long as that's the case, and you try and succeed and don't get it, I don't even think you can really be fully angry about it because, like, you had fun trying. But it's I mean, just... like, okay, look, we had Leon and Claire in a zombie in a snowboarding game. And, and, and the snowboarding game was Capcom. Resident Evil is Capcom. Street Fighter is Capcom. I mean, like, they were doing some weird stuff. Yeah, it makes lo- it's a logical, reasonable fake unlock, mm-hmm. which is, is, is all a part of the goal. It's all part of the, is the cell. It's the cell. It's the idea of saying, I believe this is ridiculous, but it's just crazy enough to be doable. It could happen. I'm going to go for it. Yeah, but you suck at Resident Evil 2. Time to get better. <laughs> Put the headband <laughs> on, go to training school, and then you you take those tofu dodges because the only way you really want to beat the game as tofu is you have to pretty much map out the route entirely because yeah. it was yeah, like essentially like since you had the out. knife, it was, yeah, like you were like, you're not going to fight anything really. Your whole gimmick is to dodge as much as you could yeah, and somehow, know how enemies move. Yeah, and somehow beat bosses. You probably cheese out bosses with a knife. Oh, no, no, no. There weren't any, I don't think there were bosses per se because it wasn't the full game. Hunk and uh, tofu, they were given like a sort of like like now they refer to them as like mercenaries in a sense but like um, it was like a specialized route that they programmed for those characters it was like you start here that makes you more run sense through these that areas and lot, get to the end more, what was hunk i don't remember hunk hunk was an umbrella operative that originally was just some kind of like random unlock but then they gave him an actual narrative of like he was sent by umbrella to uh, get a sample so he had to fight through raccoon city to now, get to the sample now did they ever like but, bring him back to like other games in the franchise 
I, be, I don't quote me on this, listeners, but I want to <laughs> say he was brought back in like some of the mercenaries updates later on, like as an unlockable character in mercenaries. And of course, he came back in the Resident Evil 2 remake that they did for PS4 and maybe Xbox One. I don't know. Oh, now that's a question. Is Tofu in the remake? Of course. Excellent. Oh, Excellent. Tofu. Killer Tofu. If anything, Killer Tofu. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on to your uh, your second track. All right, so this one is going to be an oddity, but I don't know. You'll hear me out. You'll be like, oh, I guess I can see Pernell thinking about this bonkers nonsense. So the track, which was actually a hard choice between some good ones, is called Bittersweet, and it's from the game Disgaea 5, Allegiance of Vengeance. And this is composed by the man Tempe Sato. Oh, yeah. Man, he's all over these soundtracks. He's so good. He is so, yes, so he good. is. And I think he's very unsung. Like He's almost exclusively composing for Nipponichi nowadays. Mm. And his stuff is fantastic. But I never heard anyone talk about him, ever.
Welcome back. You're listening to Bittersweet from the game Disgaea 5 Allegiance of Vengeance, composed by Tempei Sato. Guy almost exclusively composes for Nippon Ichi, and I feel not nearly enough people give him credit where it's due. And it is so due. And he this, makes some great stuff. This track is going all these different different places. Like it's telling a story all on its own. It's there's like four or five, like almost complete different movements to this track. So great! Like I was actually torn because, like, I you ever well, I'm sure you've probably experienced it before. Like, where you like go through an OST, and you play just from playing the game, and you feel like you have this track that's your favorite, mm-hmm. quote unquote, and that's the one you always go to where you want to go back for a re-listen. But then one day you decide to do a deep dive into the OST again, you know, for old times' sake, and then you realize there were some tunes on there that you weren't given nearly enough credit to. Was this one of those for you? It absolutely was, because I originally had another team, um, track in mind, but then I just like dropped it once I listened to this. I was like, wait, I can't in good conscience not use this tune over the other one. But that one may still make an appearance on the show someday. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Now, this crossover will be a little odd and different, but it's less about, well, I guess like I said, like I mentioned in the earlier offset, like it wasn't, some of mine are less about the actual gameplay mechanics and more about just like the concepts that go into them. Yeah, yeah, like, like not that this, this character is going to do so awesome in this game, but like just mixing it up. Exactly. And in this particular case, it was the idea of seeing Safer Sephiroth <clears throat> or Kefka, God Kefka, and uh, Disgaea. So Safer Sephiroth is the final form of Sephiroth in Final Fantasy VII, when he gets the one-winged angel form. Mm-hmm. And God Kefka is, well, Kefka when he obtains godhood in Final Fantasy VI. Uh, the reason why I had this weird thought was for two things. Now, one is the fact that the first time I played through Final Fantasy VI and VII, and I saw those forms and the attacks they could do, mm-hmm. most notably Safer Sephiroth, when he has, this, he has one attack where he summons like a freaking meteor that cuts through the cosmos and is destroying planets on the way to you and then if it just like smashes into your party it's like for all intents and purposes it would just be your party that would be dead from that it would be the entire planet you're trying to prevent a meteor from crashing into earth and his attack is doing that already I know, I know but that's cool <laughs> so it was really cool yeah. so it's like I like the idea of taking these characters whose final forms the final bosses of these massive games are doing things that in Disgaea games main characters can do for fun like the entire cause of disguise games is under is overworlds, underworlds, netherworlds, universes, and all the people who run them, like the deities and gods and overlords that run these environments. So they could already do things like smash planets and just like eradicate nebulas. And they're joking about how they lick their favorite food is like Takuban curry or some crap. So it's like, I would love to see Safer Sephiroth go to this world. Or God Kevin go to this world and be undone by just how powerful everyone in these universes are. And furthermore, it would be interesting to see that happen and have a good writer make it be like, okay, well, that means we could obtain greater power yeah. in worlds where this kind of power comes naturally to folks. What can we do here? We can become greater. And you could even you know, take that and transfer it to some of like the human characters that you play as, too, because... I mean, Disgaea 1, at least, and also I remember Disgaea 3. A couple, I say all the Disgaea games had at least one or two humanoid characters in the games. That while they weren't smashing planets by the end of the game, they did have some crazy attacks that go well beyond the norm. And it'd be cool to see, like, a Final Fantasy character get dumped in. Like, wait a minute, so I can learn Tetra Star here. I thought Faraga was something. Yeah. Step aside, I can get Omega Flare. 
This is the real fire magic like right crazy, here. You get like a uh, uh, Kefka going crazy with power, or even like Vivi, you know? Yes, like yeah. Vivi doing like all the Tetra, all the Terra magic spells. Like it would just, it would be just something interesting to see. And like you know, we see Square like go on their way and like do like crazy version things with their characters. Like uh, what was the one? Final Fantasy. Uh, Mac World of Final Fantasy. There was one where they were like those little weird squatting yeah, puppet things that. that stacked on I each other. Like, this is a weird game. It's weird. It, it's kind of fun, but it's also really weird. So it's like it's not so far fetched to think, what if they took their already established Final Fantasy tactics formula, then take all the Final Fantasy characters, dump them all together in this weird world, but give it an extreme form of insanity that Disgaea game would have, and just see it go nuts. Like I would be all over that. And I'm sure their fan base would be too. Like, it's not even a question. Like, it doesn't oh, need to people, be serious. No, yeah, it needs to be absurd. Because there's crossover of players. You know, like, exactly. Play, players are playing both games. Now, here's a here's a crossover for now. This is a crazy, crazy crossover. Crazy. And probably not much of a crossover of players. All right. So we're going into Metal Gear Solid Three Snake Eater. Snake Eater. There's, there's a lot of music in this game, but a lot of it's environmental, like. Sneaking around, no one can see me, and it's just like nothing. Um, I mean, obviously, definitely, uh, do uh, gonna provide atmosphere for the game, but um, but there are some really interesting tracks. I'm not even sure where this one plays, but I found it when I was going through the soundtrack. This is called Sailor, like a like a sailboat sailor from mm-hmm. Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. This is uh, composed by Starry K. I couldn't find a, an actual name for this guy, so it's just Starry K. I like that as Starry K. Yeah. <laughs>
cha cha cha. That was Sailor from Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. I think that was for the PlayStation 3. And that was composed by Star E.K. Clash is Star um, K. Definitely not like a pirate or like an old-timey, like, salty sailor. This is like a sailor at a beach resort, you know? Hey, you want to learn how to sail today? Come on board. Do I? Come aboard my ship. Okay. Is it Mickey Mouse? What is Mickey Mouse doing on this ship? I don't know, some kid. I don't know. <laughs> he wants uh, to sail in a boat. I think it's weird that I was doing, like, a low romantic voice, and you were like, Hi! <laughs> Yeah! We're not doing that. Um, Sailing. So I picked this one because there is a mini game within Snake Eater where you have to catch the apes from Ape Escape. Monkeys. <laughs> yeah. Still probably one of my favorite line deliveries ever in a it's, game. And, and, and I've heard about it. I mean, I didn't have a PlayStation 3, and I really stopped playing Metal Gear after um, the first one. The first Metal Gear Solid. And... And so I watched a playthrough of the of the Ape Escape thing, and it's really just the game, but you're 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 searching them out, and you're shooting them with a tracker bullet, <laughs> and then you have to catch them. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of it, um, Solid Snake is so happy he dances on his toes, and then throws his hands in the air and says, "I did it." <laughs> <laughs> So I've never seen the ending, so that's surprising. So, and there's like five or six missions within this mini game of, of of just searching through the woods in the jungle of where you usually are in this game, finding the the monkeys from Ape Escape, shooting them with a the tracker, and then just running over them to pick them up. And then he goes, right. he just the dance he does is so stupid, and he goes, "I did it." <laughs> and it's perfect because I mean, since it's out of touch, for, out of you know, out of sorts for the character. Out of character for the character. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes sense they would go all in as like a little reward for you. Like, hey, look at him do something ridiculous that he would never do. Never. <laughs> and so when you when you go and find the the apes, it does play like, I'm not sure if it's music from the game or if it's like some weird little jingle they made, and it plays and it loops. But at some points, I think when you're when you're running across the mini game, because I was in the playthrough I watched, it was going back to the weird, creepy atmospheric music. So it was like, mm-hmm. doom, 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 doom. Doom, 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 doom. And then there's a monkey in the corner, and he goes. Doom, doom, doom. <laughs> it's like a per- honestly, I think that's like a perfect layering, like Found to you. combine the two franchises. It is weird. Um, like, is there a reason why they they combine the two? Honestly, I feel like it was just a general. I mean, there's probably more to it that I'm not remembering, but I just feel like it was like a general cross promotion because there was also in one of the Ape Escape games an actual monkey. That was like Solid Snake. Oh yeah, so, that's right. I do remember. And you had to actually catch the Solid Snake monkey. But I could see so, that though, like as the monkeys were crazy, right? So like some of them are could be some. Imp- I could I could see some of them dressing up as Mario and Luigi and like bouncing on each other's heads because they're just you know they're silly monkeys. Oh yeah, because like apes, there was only apes. one monkey that was actually like super intelligent. The other monkeys just had helmets on that made them a bit more intelligent, but they were <laughs> still monkeys. Eno- enough to be a problem. Exactly. And Spectre could talk, and he was a genius. The other monkeys were just smart monkeys. <laughs> Functional I, I, monkeys. I, I do love how this song resolves at the end. Here it comes. This part right here. Ooh, cha-cha-cha. And, hey! and then we're out. And then we're out. We're in, <laughs> just as soon as we were in that track, we were out of the track for now. <laughs> going, we're going, we're going, and now. All right, so we are on to your third. 
All right, this is the one where I think it's like my most like odd, but at the same time, both franchises, I wasn't really feeling like this track is perfect for the episode, but at the same time, the track I did pick is still no slouch. I still like the track. It's just, we'll see how it comes across on the listeners. And this comes from the game Dark Souls, and the track title is Crossbreed Priscilla. And I did not write the composer down for this one because I was not thinking, so I'll have to grab that on the break. Eh, we'll find it eventually. <laughs> we'll do it in post. We'll do it in post. We'll do it right now. All right, here we go. <laughs> Crossbreed Priscilla. You're listening to Crossbreed Priscilla from the game Dark Souls, composed by Motoi Sakuraba, and there's a tint of shame in me not realizing that initially, because that's my boy. I guess I'm just not used to realizing he can do music that doesn't involve sense. Yeah, but, I don't uh, know. It, uh, we were talking about like how I loved his Sega Genesis days, and I, mean, I know, didn't he do a lot of music on like the Mario Golf games and stuff? Mm-hmm. All the Mario sports games was pretty much his jam. Yeah, and then you get a Dark uh, Souls, a the- and you get this. It's very different. <laughs> Very different. Very different. Now, I acknowledge that, you know, this is more of an atmospheric sound, not a particular bopper that you're going to be jiving and dancing to. But, I mean, that's what Dark Souls is pretty much known for anyway. Most of the music is either dread or or, or something like this, but it's all meant to be atmospheric because it's meant to set the pace for, like, a boss fight or, like, the shrine hub areas that you have at the games themselves. Now, 
the odd this is an odd matchup but and also to one of them is a game i've actually never played before but i've always been curious about it mm. and the matchup would be sigmire of katarina from dark souls one being placed in raises hell which is an xbox game now what is raises hell for those who don't know is essentially the idea being a game that kind of does an inversion of the typical trope. Usually games will be like, hey, here's a nice, jolly, peaceful world until the demons attacked and destroyed everything. This game is the opposite. A demon who loves his hell-ridden world. You know, he's doing, he's living the monster evil life. And then a tribe of happy-go-lucky, you know, quacky little like, block Teletubby-looking characters decide they want to spread love across the universe. So they invade his world with the intent being to spread love and kindness to all around him. And Raze ain't having it. So it's a game where basically he's fighting a bunch of cute, cutey things that are invading his hell world. Um, and the reason why I thought about this being a weird matchup is because, well, Dark Souls is a very... Every Dark Souls game is a terrible universe. Like, I can't imagine anyone feeling any sort of joy living in these worlds at all. Mm-hmm. They're and dark. yet the they characters are very, very they, dark, very dark, very dark for the souls. <laughs> but uh, the characters that you meet in these games, despite them not really getting a lot of background set up or set up for them, they generally can be fairly likable. Most notoriously being Sunbro, um, the Firelink Shrine Maiden, and of course Onionbro being Sigmire. Uh, so, and as jolly as that guy can be. I think it'd be interesting to see him place in the world as the polar opposite of his world. Just a bunch of happy characters, just having a good time, you know, hanging out near colorful milky streams and candy cane, you know, cascades or whatever. And the war that he'd be fighting, if any, is to bring peace and happiness to most others. Like, basically, they made invade the Dark Souls world. They <laughs> just start taking out the dark fire keepers and fire lords. Like, it'll be a mess. A fantastic Mess, goofy mess. mess goopy mess <laughs> like i even chose a track from raises hell mm-hmm. but i didn't think it would be fitting for the episode proper but i was like maybe as the ender it'd be pretty funny just to play oh. well i got one too but maybe we can compare our our final tracks together but i like i like mm-hmm. your idea of, of, of mixing those two worlds because this one is dark souls world is is grim just miserable like even when you beat a dark souls you don't even feel good <laughs> i know. just like well i guess the game's done <laughs> I was watching the uh, of this boss fight, up this boss battle, and it looks brutal. Priscilla like goes completely invisible and just wrecks you. Mm-hmm. Man. And the world that you're in, aside from Honor Londo pre, you know, darkening, it is probably the nicest an environment can be in that game. It's just a frozen like castle inside oh, of a painting. It's, but it's good god and like priscilla's like again like she's a crossbreed she's like half like woman half dragon yeah yeah it's all the weird giant tail thing swinging around um well let's let's move on to some something a little more 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 friendly a little more familiar this is uh (laughs) moto gp for the playstation 2 composed by yoshie takayanagi and this is a track called rush
And we're back. You're listening to the track Rush from Moto GP for the Sony PlayStation 2. This track is dope. You dude. brought the heat. This <laughs> might be my favorite from the episode. Oh, I'm glad I like it. it. Yeah, this is a Yoshie Takayanagi for Moto GP. This is a Namco game. So you better believe there is a Klonoa playable character in this game. Really? Yeah, yeah. Klonoa hops on a motorbike and uh, runs the race. Oh my god, I would play the hell out of that. It's and really double cute. bonus <laughs> if it ends up being like a track from Klonoa is actually like guestable in there. Like you, know, one of like the racing Klonoa songs. I don't know. I, did, I mean, I looked at the soundtrack and nothing stood out as so different. Um, so I don't really know that for sure, but I, I mean, the gameplay is awesome because it's, I mean, it is just the same game except you're this, you're Klonoa and his blue ears are like flapping behind him. It's really neat. It's really cool. I'm going to have to look that up later. I don't want to jinx messing up the computer, but I've been looking up later because that sounds like it'd be pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I like this. One. I'm glad you like this one. I was looking for something fast, you know, with like a really fast drum section and like a little bit of guitar or some kind of heavy synth sound just to sort of round out my picks because that last the sailor track was pretty pretty relaxing yeah this is the opposite this is balls to the wall get the pedal to the metal yeah and for the record that might just have to be a topic just to reference that old joke like topic balls to the wall <laughs> i don't know if i could i could put that as an episode title and feel good about it <laughs> just been, that is a good point we have to come up with some like weird like fake version like another version of like you know spherical objects on a flat surface <laughs> Yeah, yeah, or just yeah, pedal to the metal, maybe. There we go. That yeah. could work. I'm sure we did racing games a number of times, I'm, and there's a bunch of like sports episodes where I was like, you know what, racing is good because there's always good music in racing games. There's almost always really good racing game music, and the tracks are always mm-hmm. pretty long too. Because however long you mentioned, tra- three laps. Yeah, yeah. Of course, like nowadays, especially with the games like Forza, like the Forza series, and and, um, and uh, Gran Turismo, there's a lot of licensed music that's in it, which is cool. Or even worse, silence. They're like, hey, here's yeah. the, we'll put the music in the menus, and then when the game's playing, we think you want to listen to silence while you're driving. Like, no! Give me at least the option to have sound. Like, I don't need to hear the engine. I know. I remember, like, I, I was reading about the creation of Gran Turismo 2 or 3, and they were like, yeah, we, mic- we put mics on under all of these cars. We went to these people's garages where they collected cars, and, and we actually ran the engines and ran the cars and got authentic sounds from each one. And I'm like, wow, I'm never going to know. They all sound like... <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. For the authenticity of the game, I like having those sounds. But when that's all you got, yeah, no dice. No dice. No dice. I want music in the game. If I want to feel like I'm only listening to that, I'll just turn the sound off for two races and then put the music back on. <laughs> Yeah, or or yeah, or I'll just play my own music. Is what I'll probably end up doing anyway. Um, but there's something about even that. Like I wanted to filter through the game. Like I, I just want the music to be coming out of the game. Because like if people, I've heard people talk about this. Like you know, I'll just play music on my radio to my left while the game's coming on my TV in front of me. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I mean the music coming from the same place the game oh, is. That's what I do. Like I was playing a lot of Street Fighter. I would. Put, I would just turn the music off because I was tired of listening to stage music or whatever. So I would just, I, I, have, a, I have a little um, little speaker I have in my kitchen. I just put it in front of the TV. And I keep oh, so at least it's coming from the same general direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I realized it was just logistics that you had a problem with. <laughs> well, no, no, at the end of the day, I ultimately yeah. will prefer an actual OST for right, a game. Right. Yes. You want, you want a, a full experience that's like created around mm-hmm. it yeah and i like that too but if you're playing the same game like over and over again i feel like sometimes you know you gotta just throw your own tunes in. you gotta throw your own tunes into it all right 
Speaking of throwing our own tunes into the hat, I mean, we are going to turn this beefy track down and get get into the beefy bonus round. <laughs> beefy bonus round with lettuce and mayo and tomato spices. What do people put on their bonus Did round? Do you say anyway? terminal spices? <laughs> yes, you have one month to eat. You have one month to eat. It's just arsenic. It's the spice. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, uh So the bonus round is where we play covers and remixes and arrangements on our theme. Pernell, what you got for me? Well, I brought... This is a hefty track, so saddle up, because you're going to be listening to some a lengthy tune. Oh, really? I but, think mine's uh, pretty lengthy, I, too. <laughs> I figure it's fitting for the bonus round, okay. and we couldn't do a crossover episode of this caliber and not use this, given what I've been into lately. So... This track is The Great Battle in the Vast Sky, a.k.a. the Dolmagus boss battle theme from the game Dragon Quest VIII. And this is done by the Tokyo Metropolitan Symphony Orchestra with original composition by Koichi Sugiyama. I Mm. believe this is the version in the game, too, because it's just that damn good. But given how long it is and the fact that it was an orchestrated track, I think it's fitting for the bonus round, too. All right, well, let's, let's dig in.
Welcome back. You listen to a very lengthy track. That track being Great Battle in the Vast Sky, the final battle Dolmegas theme from the game Dragon Quest VIII. I can't even remember what the subtitles was like Journey of the Something King, maybe Journey of the Cursed King. Um, but this was composed by the Tokyo Metropolitan Symphony Orchestra and Koichi Sugiyama. Mm. Now, this... Like, people love to talk about One-Winged Angel all the time. That's always the thing. And don't get me wrong, at the time, it really was a freaking masterpiece. Like, I can't think of too many tracks that played like that back in that era, in that point in time. But there are a lot of boss tracks that need more love out there. And I feel like this is a definite one. Like, I never hear anyone reference this. This is it's so good. This is really, really, really good. And it's well, like, composed together for the orchestra. I mean, there's... You can hear every every section. You can hear every like string section, the horn section, like the the percussion in the in the middle when like it turns into like a like, kind of a like a rock drum beat all of a sudden. That's really mm-hmm. neat. That's really really neat. Now, like the reason why I picked this track for the episode is because I can't we can't do a crossover episode and not reference Ichiban Kasuga from Yakuza Like a Dragon appearing <laughs> in a Dragon Quest game because oh. that was his that is his absolute dream. He would lose his ever loving mind if he somehow got teleported into a Dragon Quest game because the character in Yakuza talks about how much he loves the Dragon Quest franchise and it's part of what motivates him to be a hero in the first place. I love like, that. I love that. It gets such a cool concept. And of course, if he were in the actual world, he'd gain access to the ability to possibly learn magic spells and tame dragons and actually do all the stuff that he dreams about. Like, it would be just such a cool concept. Like, there's a part in Drag and Yakuza Like a Dragon where, you know, he first starts saying, you know, we're going to help people in this city. We're going to do right by them. And he walks, him and his friends are leaving where they're crashing at. And there's just like a bat stuck in the ground, like a, like a metal bat with barbed wire stuck in the ground. And he's like, wait a minute. And he looks at it like it's the hero's sword. And everyone's like, what's wrong with you? What are you doing? He's like, I think I, we gotta, I gotta pull that sword. That's the best, a special sword. I gotta, that's my thing. It's my journey. And uh, the other character's like, it's just a bat. There's nothing special about it. So they both try to pull it out and they can't lift it out of the ground. So then like, Ichiban goes up to him. He's like, yank! And just raises up. And it's like the sacred sword of light. Just like the light shoots up. And he's the only one that can see it because, again, he's imagining all this. And the other guys are like, what the hell is he doing? It's like, eh, don't worry about it. It's just how he is. <laughs> don't worry about it. And it's just, they do stuff like that throughout the game. Like, there's a boss fight where the boss gets like a, he gets juiced up. And Ichiba is like, oh my god, he's got an aura. He's got a boss aura. And the character's <laughs> like, what, is, what are you talking about? I was like, don't worry about that. He's coming. I don't care. What are you talking about? He just looks pissed. <laughs> like, I love that. I, lo- I love that these characters aren't taking themselves so seriously. And that, like, they, they, even these new game characters have nostalgia for these older games and want to, like, be inside of them, you know? And they, it's, it's, it's their motivation. They, this yes. game character is motivated by an older game character. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And it's so unprecedented. Like, yeah. and that's why, like, you hear me, like, just generally bring up, like, how much I love Yakuza Like a Dragon. And I'm like, I want to see more stuff like this. But quite frankly, though, they could always bring back, you know, the battle system and refine it and all that oh. good stuff. As far as the actual characters and that setup, I think that's a one-time thing because you can't... That thing is just like like lightning in a bottle to me. They could always bring Ichiban back for another game, but it won't be the same as his introduction and seeing them do this for the first time. It just... It works so friggin' well. I love that game to death. Um, 
And I feel like if he were, I would pay good hard cash if they collaborate with Square and made a game where he was in a Dragon Quest game and the entire premise was him being the hero in a Dragon Quest world. That would be, I awesome. would be all over that it. That would be the perfect crossover. And, and okay, hold on. Sorry. The cat's pulling my headphones out of my ears. Right, come on. <laughs> He's like, I just want you to pay attention to only me. I know he wants to be on my lap so bad, but like, I don't have the, uh, I don't have the cords. I don't have the, the, the length of the cord to stay in my ears. Anyway, I, I love that idea, and I hope it does happen one day. And maybe even if it's just like a little weird mini game in the next Yakuza game where it's just like suddenly you're in Dragon Quest world. <laughs> it's him running around. It would um, be so great. That would be awesome. If you're listening, guys, please yeah. do it. You'll make money. All right, so mine is another crossover that, that happened. Um, there's actually a lot of crossovers in this game. This is Super Bomberman R, and I think it came out on the Wii or the Wii U. And Not uh, Switch. I was on the and Switch. I think eventually the PS4 and Xbox got Super Bomberman R like Gold Edition or yeah, something. There's a lot of there's a lot of crazy DLC for this. A lot of crazy DLC, which gives you some really strange character options. You could be the Vic Viper um, from Gradius running around throwing bombs. You could be Simon Belmont, which I'm calling Simon Bombmont. <laughs> <laughs> you could be the characters from Poppin' Music. You can be Pyramid Head from Silent Hill 2. Or Silent, sorry, Silent Hill Three, where he actually—it's terrifying. It's—it's a—he's got the helmet and he runs around with a giant sword. Um, in a Bomberman game, it just seems kind of out of place. But we're gonna listen to the ending theme song, which is called "Hero," composed by Saima Iwahashi, and lyrics by Rucka. Um, that is a uh, R U C C A, which is an alias for Takaki Mizaguchi. Kimi ga ikawari wa inai yo watashi dake no hero. Oh, 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 oh,
That was the track "Hero" from the game Superman, Super <laughs> Superman, Superman of Bomber, <laughs> Super Bomberman R for the Nintendo Switch. Um, that's the ending theme song. Hero. It is composed by Sayemi Iwahashi with lyrics by Takaki Mizaguchi, credited as Rucka R U C C A. Um, yeah, and that just I wanted to end the show with like a big anime theme song you know like just super happy super pleasing and that entire game is pretty much just like very jovial like doesn't take itself seriously at all and like i also look at super bomberman r as being like a surprise testament to like how a company should treat a game Mm -hmm. when they make a mistake so to speak because when it originally came out like people were complaining about the controls not being responsive And all kinds of stuff. So Konami, keep in mind, this is Konami we're talking about, you know, famous for the F Konami, you know, staple line lately. Um, They redid all the controls, fixed them up, and like then just started dumping free DLC in there like crazy. Just like, hey, thanks for buying our game. Sorry it started like this, but here's some cool stuff, like cool characters, a bunch of new stages. It's just... Yeah. It was really nice. Like, I was really, very happy with that game. Really fun, goofy game with a lot more fun, goofy options to throw into it. I, I love Bomber, all the iterations of Bomberman. Well, not all of them. There's the weird Bomberman Zero. Act Zero. No uh, one talks about Act when, Zero. When you said, it's like, dead to us. When you were saying that they were trying to like like uh, make up for uh, past mistakes, I was like, oh, is he talking about Bomberman Zero? Because no one wants to play that game. <laughs> um, People try to forget that game. Um, anyway, so for more information on the bonus round, go to rhythmandpixels.com. We'll have links to all of these artists' you know, band camps and sound clouds and bios and web pages everywhere where you can go and find the music and buy the music and support these artists. All right. Thanks for joining us on episode 27 dash seven of rhythm and pixels. This is our cross character crossover special in which I find all the real crossovers and Purnell lies to you. Hey, he imagines uh, really uh, cool ideas. He gets, gets into a dream world of of his fa- of what crossovers could be. If people oh, yeah. just got out of the way of themselves. And 
and follow drop those drop those mind. licensing issues and yeah, just yeah. come together as a community and all make those, cool fun games. All those contracts, all those people signed, and all that hard work people people put into those 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 intellectual properties, just tear it up. It's gone. I don't I worry want about a, it. I want a single. Fun. I want a single player gaming community. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just like one person in charge of everything, being like, I want that and I want that. That's right. You're like at a supermarket. You're just walking down the aisle. Like, I'll, I'll, like I'll a take little a smidge of Final Mario. Fantasy, a dose of Mario. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had a really good time with this. Our last track is from the game uh, uh, Cannon Spike or Gun Cannon Spike, Spike in Japan, uh, which is a big Capcom crossover game with all sorts of uh, 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 Arthur from Ghosts and Goblins and Cammy from uh street fighter fighting together of course i bought it specifically because of mega man so oh that's right mega man was in that too which is cool I, any I was... game that mega man guessed it in aside from that one onimusha game i bought <laughs> marvel capcom 2 mm-hmm. what, i oh, bought it because of what, mega man what was that one um shooter that had morgan in it it was like a it's a bullet hell game. a shooter yeah um gun smoke not gun smoke uh gun Blade? No, not Gunblade. Uh, I'm going to look. Now I'm going to look that gun, up later. Gu- Gunbird Two. Oh, oh, sh- oh, shmup. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah you think I, I think it's shooter like she was a she was carrying a gun around. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that was going. Everyone's flying in spaceships. No, no, that game that was no spaceships. Everyone's like there's like the girl on the uh, on the the uh, broomstick. On the broomstick. Yeah. So that was a different one. It was like a robot flying around. That was a fun game. I got that one because I liked all the crazy characters in it, and that really pulled me in the shoot 'em ups again back in that time. And then there was, of course, Cross Edge, the game that got panned to death, and yet somehow I played it. To, I played the living daylights out of it, nonetheless. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, Pernell, final thoughts on crossovers? Good, bad, good? Oh, it was a great episode. I just find myself now thinking, like, like I said, I want to revisit it with some more time and like preparing for it, and that I can be like, hey, uh, now that this is good, I'm going to be like. Here are actual game mechanic crossovers. Like, this is why I would want to see this happen because mm. I think this would be great for this franchise. Yeah, yeah, I might do it that way too. And then we'll do another episode where it's the actual crossovers. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, that's why I almost wish like listeners were like, hey, do this episode type again because I feel like there are so there are some seriously untapped fruit for like redos again. And I'm like, I don't, I never want to do it per se, only because I'm always finding myself thinking, like, we should be doing more, but we've done 200 plus episodes. Yeah. And we've done not a ton of repeats. Well, this on top of we've done a bunch, but not, not a bunch, but we've done not a ton of them. I mean, we did have um, uh, one of our listeners in our Discord server, uh, Pixelated Poet, has been looking for workout music, like workout video game music. So maybe we can do another one of those. Oh, that would be fun, especially because I'm still going through my now. I'm, I'm heading for towards two months of exercising every single day. Yeah, that's so impressive. that'll be a trip. Very, very oh, impressive. Yeah. Like, even though I disappear from social media, like, my train has not stopped running. Like, though I will probably end up getting back into it eventually because I feel like I'm not talking to people enough anymore and it feels weird. <laughs> we'll pull you, but, we'll uh, pull you back, but I think I think a break is healthy. Like, a little a little purge, you know? Like, a little, uh... A little it's like drinking some grapefruit prune juice or something. Yeah, yeah. It's what they call it a cleanse. They call it a cleanse. You're Just cleansing your soul of Facebook. Flush the social media. But a lot has happened. Like, hey actually, guys, what I missed? You've missed. Um, did you know uh, that you've missed a lot of news? If you, if you haven't been getting your news from Facebook, do you know uh, Lavar Burton is going to be one of the last guests, guest hosts for Jeopardy. Really? Yeah, yeah. 
Now that sounds awesome. I, I think, could pick that. I think if I remember correctly, he wanted to do that for a while. I think he said so, and I think mostly fans wanted to have him. I think he should be. He should be. Him or Ken Jennings should be like the the the, the final host going forward, like the host of the show. Oh, I mean, we, I mean, LeVar Burton was notorious for getting people to read, which then allows them to become smart enough to be on Jeopardy. Yeah. So I feel like it's a nice reward, like putting him on the other end mm-hmm. of the knowledge spectrum for once. It's like, I'm not telling you to start reading. I'm saying thank you for reading at all. But for Jeopardy that's, fans. That's what you learned. Jeopardy fans, Ken Jennings is like the Jeopardy. Wasn't he the guy boss. that just ran it for like. Yeah. Not he only, like pretty much broke Jeopardy. Yeah, not only only because he's just a super smart dude, but he not only has like the most winnings, won the most games, he won all of like the championship rounds. And then there was a special one where they brought back the three best champions of the game. They called it the greatest of all time championship. And he swept it. Swept it? He swept it. He crushed them. It was it was almost no con. It was so good. And then the thing um, about it, like, he's can like, you imagine there's still so people nice out there. That- can you picture the fact that there's still people out there that would watch an episode of Jeopardy and go, look at these dorks know, with their right. stupid books? Like, no. Yeah, I I could be the coolest <laughs> pompadour-wearing, shades, motorcycle-wearing, well, they, they you to know, smash-magash guy, and, one of the guys and I will like never that. disparage the intellect that's required no. for friggin' Jeopardy. You have to remember so much. And they, um, they talked to one of the guys, and he said, um, well, you know, what, what, what have you been doing with your time? And he's like, well, I was on the show for so long and I made so much money. Like being on Jeopardy was like my career move. Like I was a career Jeopardy player at that one point. <laughs> like I they just see, earned some of so those prizes. Some of those prizes are like yearly salaries. Yeah, they is. And then, and now like if, I would say if Ken Jennings becomes the, the, the primary host of the show, it's like, it's like now they have to give him a job, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's Full a circle now. The only downside is I can picture him being up on the stage doing the questions and someone gets it wrong and he's just like rolling his eyes like, oh, come on, that was so easy. Well, let me tell you, man, I would have gotten it. Alex Trebek was no slouch either. Like it was a smart guy. Like, like he knew a lot of that information. So um, anyway, we're talking about Jeopardy for some reason. I, I kind of miss it. I don't have I don't have like regular TV, so I've been watching reruns on Netflix. Um, if you would like to talk to us about Netflix or Jeopardy or if you have a topic suggestion or if you want to say hello to us the best way to do that is over email rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com they're going to say what is Rhythm and Pixels? Um, <laughs> no, that's for the website <laughs> that's what I was like um, and for more information about our show a full track listing from all of our episodes and access to all of our episodes head to the website what is <laughs> rhythmandpixels.com <laughs> thank you you are correct. Four hundred dollars <laughs> daily double. Um, I'll be um, and uh, you can catch us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. It's Rhythm and Pixels, all one word. We have a twenty-four-seven uh, radio station playing nothing but eight-bit and sixteen-bit classics. It's on YouTube.com/slash Rhythm and Pixels, and it's over on Twitch.tv/slash Rhythm and Pixels. Um, so it's playing there. You can hear all sorts of music. We're going to have, we have lots of playlists from, it's all curated music from me and Pernell and from some other people in the VGM podcast community. Um, you can check out our discord server. Um, you can find that link on our website. There's lots of people talking there, a lot popping, a lot happening on the discord server. (laughs) Popping. Yeah. Thanks. Bringing that one back. What's popping? It's popping, man. Make it, make it, make it pop. And then, um, And then, yeah, and we also have some new t-shirts available on the website, rhythmandpixels.com slash merch. 
So there's some fun stuff, like some of the classic stuff, like the classic logo. You can get the classic hip hop shirt, Run VGM. Um, and now like we PD. also have some uh, 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 classic game logos on shirts, like game game music companies. The sound so, teams. Yeah, the sound teams. Yes, we have the SNK sound team. We have Mega Drive. We have Konami. Falcom. Um, yeah, we have Falcom. And we also have the one from Taito, pronounced Zuntada. Zuntada. Yeah, there it was. And it's amazing I didn't remember it because Zuntada is like the like the logo was very prominent in yeah. Groove Coaster. I think I have it on our last episode where I couldn't remember the name of it. I'm hoping that didn't come out in the recording because I'm like, yeah, of course I should know Zuntada. Anyway, we have all of those logos and we have all of those um, like graphics on t-shirts and hoodies and all sorts of stuff. Check that out on the website. And then you can also, um, if you want to help us out, if you feel generous, you can go to patreon.com slash rhythm and pixels. Um, as a member there, you get access to a weekly prequel episode and a monthly live streamed recorded episode. And then at the end of every episode, we'd like to say thank you to our highest tiered members. Uh, Frankly Zappa, Mike Myers, Fashion 8060, That Nick Walker, Ed Wilson of the VG Embassy, Matt's Humpfist, Michael Jennings, Davey Cakes, Justin Schneider from XVGM Radio, Sonic Medley, Taco, Harold Howard, Dave Taylor, Reinhardt Zelkova, Andreas Milberg. I'm sorry. Got the sniff? No, I've, it's allergies. <laughs> um, Reinhardt Zelkova, Andreas Milberg, Dan Loughton, Sleepy S'more, Steve Miller, The Autistic Gamer 89, Cameron Worma, Christopher Senstrom, Bobby Arson from One Up Funk, Wicked Sephiroth, Carlos from the Heroes 3 podcast, Michael Bridgewater from the Forever Sound Version podcast, and Brian Pitt. Uh, so thank you all very much for your continued support of our little program that we do. Very appreciate it. It's always, trust, it's very appreciated. Um, nice little bit of light in a crazy world. Yes, and maybe soon um, I'll have to set up a second microphone back in the, in the in the studio again, you know? Yes, because we got vaccinated and I'm like one of the only people I know who's had no side effects. I'm a little worried about that. I genuinely that. think I'm that little... I joke around like I must have got injected with water. <laughs> like, I am concerned that you haven't had any like side effects because that should be. I mean, it's like what is happening with your immune system? They, they it's on overdrive. Like, Come on in, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's that it's that blood type, baby. O negative. The O negative blood type. Okay. It makes it makes you because at the time, because keep in mind. It was speculation because you know that's how it is with science. They're like based on our our, our our sightings and what we come to see. Yeah, and we only have so one much of the things they came up with was that people with O negative blood are less susceptible to coronavirus. Period. Like it's just like doesn't hit them that hard, if at all. So it's like uh, not to say it's impossible to get it. It's just you're very much less likely to get it. Mm. So I was like, hmm, maybe that translates to the vaccine too. Maybe, Ooh. maybe. I think that's interesting um, if that's the case because. I remember hearing about that, but I'm not so sure. Throughout so, this whole thing, I've been dumping blood to people like yeah. like gangbusters. It's like, take it. Take all the blood. <laughs> you need it. Get it. Um, so, yeah. So, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, the, it's been a long time since since we've really done that. So, I mean, that's the... It'll be fun. And just think of, just think of the delivery. It's going to go oh. up like 90%. First episode. First episode back here is the jingles episode because we can actually sing at the same time. Oh, that is true. That, better, that's going to have to be better. That'll, be a, live better show. that'll be a special live program. Robin Purnell singing <laughs> dumb songs. Because um, BGM is for our life. <laughs> Nothing gets to you playing gyms right and cool. Because BGM is for our life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to 
put some music behind that. All right. Uh, <laughs> thank you everyone for listening to the show. Um, thanks for tuning in. Um, we, uh, you can catch Purnell and I on XVGM radio. Yeah. XVGM radio with, uh, Mike and Justin in a couple weeks. So check out that podcast. We it just come on, and give them a hard time and make a big problem for all their editing. <laughs> but they had fun so I think it balanced out right, we do things a little loose over here but yeah I think I had a good time so check that out for sure um, thanks for listening my name is Rob Nichols and I'm Purnell have a very safe week we'll see you next time and remember seriousness is all well and good good god we're, we're inundated with it constantly 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 but two things come out of it in least recent events you know generally you know just stuff which I won't mention one Imagination is absurdly important for people, and I think a lot of people have generally kind of forgotten what imagination feels like, not in a negative sense, but more in a, again, we're just inundated with a need to be serious all the time, which kind of drains out the ability to kind of step away from that and just kind of see things from a more colorful perspective. Get that, get back in touch with your imagination because it is a, it is a powerful tool, both in just making you feel better about things and making you feel more like uplifted. But also for the second element being critical thinking, get back in touch with that. If you let it go, if you didn't just keep doing it (laughs) because it's something that I feel is also becoming more of a lost art form. Um, And I say that in the sense of just like, not every situation is the same. Not every scenario is the same not, everything is as simple always as it's laid out to be just open your mind and think about stuff more your personal life your you know expanded life everything critical thinking will get you so far and you'll also be able to feel that much more confident in every choice and decision you make it's just important sometimes i'm a little too critical But at the same time, I mean, you listen to the show, you see how what kind of weird crap comes out of my head. Critical thinking, baby. It's fun sometimes. Make it happen. 